Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and once again, I'm honored to have this week's guest introduce this week's show. This is Dr. Drew Watson. I'm proud to be the chief medical advisor for the ECNL. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and with all that all of us have gone through in the last two years, and with what we have seen from elite-level athletes even in the past several weeks, mental health is something all of us need to be paying attention to. Adolescent mental health has always been a crucially important topic, and this conversation has never been more important than it is right now. We will do that today on this week's edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. So join our host, Dean Linky, and me, Dr. Drew Watson, as we cover this important issue. And make no mistake, we at the ECNL are here for each and every one of you. We are here, and so is Dr. Drew Watson. And we get started after this message from the ECNL. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, The ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country. With a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, where as you just heard, Dr. Drew Watson, the chief medical advisor to the ECNL is today's guest. In his role as the chief medical advisor for the ECNL, Dr. Drew Watson supports the health and safety of players, provides education to coaches and clubs, and guides the league in developing best practices in youth soccer, including mental health. Dr. Watson is a board-certified pediatrician and sports medicine physician at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health in the Departments of Orthopedics and Rehabilitation. He is a team physician for University of Wisconsin Division of Intercollegiate Athletics and the head team physician for Forward Madison FC and USL League One. In addition to his clinical roles, Dr. Watson is a nationally recognized researcher in sports medicine and has published extensively on cardiovascular exercise physiology and the effects of fitness, training load, sleep, and well-being on injury risk and performance in athletes. He is also the lead author of the clinical report on soccer injuries in children and adolescents from the American Academy of Pediatrics and a member of the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine. In addition to his career as a physician, Dr. Watson has been a youth soccer coach for more than 20 years, earning his U.S. Soccer A license in 2001 and continues coaching youth soccer today. And of course, as a national leader in youth athletics, providing a platform for the development of some of the world's best young players, the ECNL is faced with new conversations related to player health and well-being. 
and we will talk about that today with a return visitor. Welcome back, Dr. Drew Watson, to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks, Dean. I'm really excited to be back here. I think this is such a pressing topic. We're going to talk about it. I'm really feeling fortunate to have the chance to continue this conversation. Well, that's a great lead in because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And frankly, Dr. Watson, with all that we have gone through in the last two years and really with a lot of what we have seen from elite level athletes, even in the past weeks, Mental health is something all of us in every occupation and in every application need to be paying attention to. Teen mental health has always been an important topic, and it's a topic that we should be talking about more. I know you agree with that, and that's why you are the featured guest. We know from your research now, Dr. Watson, early in the pandemic, the adverse impact of the cancellation of sport had on youth athletes' mental health. Now with sports back for a full season, we need to keep having these important discussions. So let's start with asking you, Dr. Watson, how have the past two years changed the state of mental health in this age group and where are we today? Yeah, thanks, Dean. So I think just by way of context, it's important to recognize that broadly speaking for adolescents, we were in the midst of a mental health epidemic even before COVID. We've seen steadily rising suicide rates between 2007 and 2017. And particular groups of kids were, were impacted even more than others among high school girls. This was a particularly unnerving rise. And COVID unfortunately has just kind of compounded this. I think when you talk to other sports medicine physicians and psychiatrists, they'll tell you that they've never seen the level of psychiatric difficulty that our adolescents and our athletes are experiencing currently. For us, you know, we recognize that this is broadly speaking become an even bigger problem among adolescents. So we, we were early in the pandemic when school and sports were kind of universally canceled in May of 2020. We surveyed about 13,000 athletes across the country about how they were doing in terms of quality of life, mental health, physical activity. And I think the, the kind of 30,000 foot view of that is about 40% of our athletes were reporting moderate to severe levels of anxiety and depression. Um, really kind of the levels of, of depression or anxiety that would normally warrant evaluation and treatment by a healthcare provider. We've kind of been following this periodically through the course of time, but if you look at those levels before COVID, we were, we've been doing this for a few years in Wisconsin. What I think was really unnerving about it was that before COVID, we would have seen those levels of depression at about 10% or less of our athletes. When we circled back in the early pandemic, it had more than tripled. So we were looking at about one in three of our adolescent athletes in Wisconsin that were reporting this significant level of depression. Now, since then, we've been kind of continuing to ask these questions. And within our state, we've seen that, that this has come down somewhat. So we've seen that the levels of depression are decreasing. We've seen the same thing nationwide, but I think we haven't seen it come back to where it was pre-pandemic. So while we've seen improvements over the last couple of years, we really still continue to have a lot of work to do to try and help get our athletes back to where they're not dealing with the same burden of psychological distress. What role did sports play during the pandemic shutdowns? And what has this told society about the role of sports in young people's lives? Yeah, I think this is the part where I think there really is a, a lot of optimism. Early in the pandemic, when we were seeing these really kind of high levels of anxiety and depression, it wasn't clear exactly where this was coming from. For athletes, was this from loss of sport? 
Was this from loss of school? Was this around economic impacts or just generalized stress about the virus itself? So in the fall of 2020, we circled back and, and were able to compare those athletes that had or had not been able to return to sports at that point. And even after you adjust for things like age, socioeconomic status, whether or not they were in school or virtual instruction, we found that those individuals that were unable to return to sport were more than twice as likely to report those moderate to severe levels of depression, more than six times as likely to report moderate to severe levels of anxiety. If we were able to help athletes get back to sports, we could really try and undercut some of these ongoing issues around the worsening mental health with COVID. We've looked at this now nationwide. So we did something similar where we compared our May 2020 group, none of whom were playing sports, to about 4,000 athletes in the spring of 2021 who had all been able to return to sports. And same kind of comparison, we basically saw that being able to return to sports cut the prevalence of significant anxiety and depression in half. So we're really continuing to see that athletes having the opportunity to get back to sports is tremendously impactful. And then it's not just because of physical activity, right? Sports obviously afford you opportunities to be physically active, and this has a wide range of well-known benefits. But when we looked at kind of how much of the benefit of sports was directly attributable to increases in physical activity, that only explained a small portion of it. And it seems like what athletes are benefiting from are the opportunity to reestablish peer networks, the opportunity to reestablish role models within their sport environments, the opportunity to restore their own identity as an athlete. This is really sort of a topic that we hear again and again and again, is that athletes being able to reestablish who they are as an athlete is tremendously impactful. And then the restoration of kind of a sense of purpose, the sort of goal setting you get out of athletics and the opportunity to work toward them are tremendously beneficial for mental health for our young athletes. So I think overall, what we, what we say are that sports are tremendously beneficial. And on some level, this isn't news, but it's become even more clear during COVID that the opportunities for athletes to return to sports is extremely helpful for their physical and mental health. Unfortunately, they're not exempt from the ongoing mental health issues that are going on more broadly in society, and we're going to have to continue to prioritize this for years to come. For youth athletes, Dr. Watson, we know that many tie their identity to sport. It is also a place, as we all know, to excel and to find like-minded peers. What do we know about the role that mental health plays on sport performance? It really is a pathway to introducing conversations around mental health. I think athletes in general and adolescents in general experience a lot of pressures, but these aren't necessarily all bad. There are positive types of stress and some amount of mental activation is necessary to be a successful athlete. Similarly, athletic identity is not necessarily bad. All of these things exist on a spectrum. And really, I think that we, many of us as adults drawn our experience as athletes in other areas of our lives. I continue to at least partially identify as an athlete. And I think that can be a component of a very healthy outlook the impacts overall on, of mental health on things like performance are, are not necessarily whether there is stress or not. I think it's whether or not the stress manifests itself in an unproductive way or whether it can to contribute to the, your success as an athlete. 
And I think there's kind of two ways that I try and approach this with a lot of athletes when we're starting to have conversations about mental health and being an athlete in general. The first is that mental health significantly influences your injury risk. You simply can't perform if you're not able to play because you're hurt. And more and more and more over the last couple of decades, we've identified the relationships between well-being and mental health and injury risk in athletes. And for me, this was really a big turning point in my early academic career. As you mentioned at the beginning, I had been doing a lot of exercise physiology work. Most of what I did academically in research was around cardiovascular exercise physiology as I kind of came out of fellowship and into my faculty position. But then I started working with Christian and his club within the ECNL doing a lot of kind of monitoring of not just fitness preseason, not just baseline kind of physical characteristics, but also looking at tracking things like mood and stress and sleep and overall well-being while we monitored injuries throughout the course of the season. And when we circled back to look at these things and analyze them, we not too surprisingly found that more fit players were less likely to be hurt. That was just kind of replicating what others had found. But I can point to a single figure that really kind of changed the trajectory of my scientific efforts where we found that worse mood was a dramatic predictor of injury on an individual level, on a day-to-day basis, and on a dose-response fashion, individuals that had worse mood were more likely to get hurt. And I hadn't been expecting this, but if you, it's been replicated by us and a number of different athlete populations, including youth athletes in college. It's been replicated by others in other areas, even with respect to things like stress and fatigue and sleep and sleep quality. So increasingly, I think we're recognizing within the academic community that these elements of well-being are extremely important predictors of injury risks, and that if we can target these, we can potentially go a long way to keeping athletes on the field. But then on the other side, there's sort of the more direct performance benefit. And I think if you look within the scientific literature, this relationship is really clear too. Improved mood and reduced stress, all of these things potentially influence performance in athletes as well, not just task-specific performance, but even on a group level, teams that report better well-being tend to be more successful in terms of things even like wins and losses. And I think one of the ways that we talk about how to introduce this within athletic cultures is that we spend a tremendous amount of resources and time addressing the physiologic aspects of sport performance. We do tremendous amounts of work to elicit neuromuscular adaptations, cardiovascular adaptations, And we recognize all the time that things like focus and poise and composure are extremely important elements of being a high-performing athlete. But how much time do we actually spend training these things? How much time and resources do we devote to actually helping athletes develop those characteristics? Because there's a growing neuroscience body of literature that suggests they're trainable. So can we start introducing these sorts of elements of performance as a way to initiate a conversation more broadly about mental health? And sometimes it's helpful, I think, to point at the fact that this sort of training has been utilized again and again in other high performance environments like law enforcement, military, business, and even professional athletic environments. So maybe beginning a conversation about the mental side of being an athlete can incorporate these 
conversations about injury and performance, and then we're all sort of dis discussing it more clearly. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Dr. Drew Watson, the Chief Medical Advisor for the ECNL, and a resume that is sparkling on today's edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We are dedicating the entire show to mental health. As we all know, sometimes coaches spend more, quote, real time, end quote, with young people than even their parents do. That means coaches are important in protecting their players. They are role models and they need to be aware of the mental health of all of their players. When we return, we will talk with Dr. Drew Watson about the role coaches play in making sure the mental health of their players is being addressed, supervised, and how they can truly help. It's Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We have more with Dr. Drew Watson after these messages from the sponsors of the ECNL. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The ECNL is pleased to announce Quick Goal as the official goal provider and partner for ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys, a new partnership created to support the growth and development of the country's top players, clubs, and coaches. At all national events, including national playoffs and national finals, the Quick Goal Coaches Corner will provide hospitality and social space for ECNL girls, ECNL boys, and collegiate coaches. Quick Goal will also be the presenting sponsor of the National championship winning ECNL girls and ECNL boys coaches of the year and the ECNL girls and ECNL boys goals of the year. Quick Goal looks forward to helping the ECNL continue to elevate the standards of youth soccer and provide more opportunities to players on and off the field in the coming years. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade, the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, dedicating this entire show, the first show in May, to mental health because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. When we went to break, we told you that we're going to talk about the role coaches can play. So let's dive right in with Dr. Drew Watson, the chief medical advisor for the ECNL. And Dr. Watson, as I said, going to break, coaches serve as role models and mentors. And sometimes they are spending more direct time with teens and other adults and might notice when something is off. What's the best way to handle this, especially because it can be hard to know if what you're seeing are symptoms. What tips can you offer here, Dr. Watson? Yeah, that's another, another really good question. So I would say that I kind of live this in my day-to-day -day life from multiple angles. I, I still coach with a lot of my free time and spend time with adolescent athletes. I'm the parent of a couple adolescent athletes. And I think this is just a, a crucial question for those of us that spend time around adolescents in these different environments. And, and I would say that, unfortunately, there are a lot of barriers that exist for mental health care for athletes in general. There are sort of issues around the lack of awareness about a problem. There are sometimes difficulties for athletes about being willing or capable of expressing the particular emotions that they're having. Some may be in denial that there is a problem at all. But in many cases, they're not sure who to ask. 
Unfortunately, there are some athletes at times who have a fear of potential repercussions, whether real or imagined. They have worries that this is going to influence their ability to play a starting position or other kind of ramifications. And so helping athletes overcome all these, I think, is really crucial. But perhaps the most important thing that we can do broadly as parents, healthcare providers, coaches, just society in general, is try and undermine the stigma around mental illness. We just have to get to a place where we can have conversations around this the same way that we have conversations around physical health. For the sake of making that as transparent as I can, I, for example, periodically deal with issues around anxiety. I also still run a lot. Those are not entirely unrelated, but periodically I deal with injuries from running. I have therapists for all those things, right? And I try to approach them as things that I can do to make myself more healthy, not treat one as a problem where I'm comfortable discussing it and the other as something that I keep in a corner and don't talk about with anyone. We just simply have to get to a point where we can have these conversations. And if you ask athletes and you ask stakeholders within uh, athletics and mental health in general, they'll tell you that the things that facilitate individuals getting the care that they need are around education and awareness of mental health issues, social support, encouragement from the people around them, accessibility, meaning that they're able to access the resources that they need, positive relationships with the people that they interact with within their lives that facilitate their opportunities and their ability to seek care. And then just the ease of being able to express these things and being open about them. So I think first things first, what coaches and parents can do is try to create an environment where we normalize conversations around mental health. And again, just sort of touching on what we talked about before, this can be about injury risk. This can be about performance. If necessary, it can be about really significant issues that athletes are experiencing. So just to you know, tick off a handful of things that people can potentially be sort of mindful of, I would say that mental illness is a very, very broad and varied category of conditions that's difficult to capture in you know, a single conversation. It is as broad and varied as a lot of physical health conditions. So there, you know, anxiety and depression are before the most common. We talk about those the most, but substance misuse is also a problem that affects older athletes, but some adolescent athletes as well. Disordered eating and eating disorders are an unfortunately prevalent problem, more so perhaps among athletes than even the general population. And so having a sense of sort of being mindful that these things are not uncommon in athletes helps us be a little bit more kind of on the lookout. I think anxiety, we're probably familiar with generally what that means for athletes that may be experienced as, you know, worrying excessively about things before they happen, constantly having about worries or concerns about the well-being of themselves or their family or their friends, having kind of repetitive or unwanted thoughts that they don't feel that they can control. They may have excessive fear of making mistakes or embarrassment. These are things that periodically may kind of come and go at a lower level for a lot of adolescents and athletes, but if they start to become more prevalent and difficult for an athlete to control, that's probably a time when we can start to seek help. In terms of depression, I mean, I think we all recognize that broadly speaking, we're talking about having feelings of being sad, but this can also present as being irritable. It can present as changes in appetite. It can present as sleep disturbances. 
It can present as a loss of interest in activities. And some of these things may not necessarily be immediately associated with depression, but if they become pervasive and are influencing or affecting a young athlete's life, whether it's school or within sports, that really is a time to start having a conversation about it. Recognizing that athletes are dealing with all sorts of different sources of stress is kind of step one. Again, not all stress is bad, but if it starts to present itself in terms of some of the symptoms we were just mentioning, that's probably a time to intervene. I think we also need to be particularly mindful that there are a lot of life events for athletes that can serve as triggers for worsening symptoms. Injuries we talk about a lot. There's no question that significant injuries can really upend an athlete's life, but even significant illnesses. If you're out for two or three weeks with a significant illness, that can be a trigger for worsening symptoms because you lose access to sports, you lose your access to your social connections. That can be really unsettling for athletes. Poor perceived performances, right? We want athletes to utilize things like losses or poor performances mechanism to improve. But if they actually compound their worries and undermine their ability to train and serve as a trigger for mental health issues, recognizing that I think early can be a way that we can intervene in a timely way. And then there are always gonna be things outside of sports that athletes are gonna be dealing with. And so for parents and coaches, just sort of having open-ended conversations around this and creating an environment in which these things can be openly discussed, I think is vitally important. We just, as a society, but even when within teams, can we create cultures in which this is just part of being an athlete and having conversations around it as a way to not only be happier, but potentially be safer and potentially be even more successful within your sport. Very last thing I'd say, you know, that's a mouthful, but, but if you think that an athlete is struggling and you're worried that they're having symptoms of one of, the, of these kind of mental health conditions we were talking about, talk with them and get them help. Don't wait. Don't sit around and hope it solves itself. Talk with them. Help them find help. They can talk with family members or their healthcare provider. There are anonymous resources, helplines, now chats you can do that are even, you know, you don't have to necessarily even be identified if you're not comfortable with that. If you feel like you are in a crisis or a life-threatening situation, go to an emergency room, right? Or there are anonymous helplines you can call if you feel like that is the best way. But we just have to get something going so that it isn't something that athletes are suffering with in silence and unable to recognize or identify where to get help. Adolescents rely heavily on their peers for advice, guidance, and support. What would you suggest, Dr. Watson, for players who might sense that something isn't right with their friend or even for themselves? Do you have any thoughts in how to address this within the team or individually? I think it's very analogous to what we do broadly as coaches and what we do as parents, which is trying to help play a role in creating a culture in which conversations around mental health are normal, right? That it isn't a sign of weakness, that it's a sign of wanting to be better, that it's a sign of wanting to be healthier and safer and a better performer. So I think, you know, having conversations with friends, having conversations with teammates about this, even before a problem arises, is a great way to facilitate having conversations about it when a problem does arise. So I think if you recognize something is going on with a teammate, talk with them about it. Tell them that you care about them and that you're worried that something's going on and how can you help, right? 
I think we'll be surprised at how many people are waiting for someone to ask, but aren't comfortable bringing it up themselves because of the stigma that we have around this. If you feel like you're having issues yourself, please, please, please seek help. Everyone around you hopefully will be able to approach you, but sometimes it's not obvious on the outside. Please talk with family members. Please talk with a healthcare provider. If you're having a crisis or thoughts of self-harm, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-TALK. If I had my way, everybody would memorize that. 273-TALK. It's anonymous. Call and talk with someone and get help. In the end, I think we just have to get to a point where we're treating mental health like physical health and recognizing that well-being is the path to just being a happier, safer, and better athlete. And the more that we can all work to contribute to that environment, the better off we all are. We talked a lot about mental health and players. When we return, we are going to ask Dr. Drew Watson what his advice is for coaches who need support themselves or coaches believe that a parent or another coach may need support. We'll cover that when we return on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed, and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game. Welcome back to Breaking Line, the ECNL podcast. As you've heard me say, Dean Linky, it's Mental Health Awareness Month, and this first ECNL podcast in May is dedicated to mental health, which is so important. And we're so pleased to have the Chief Medical Advisor for the ECNL, Dr. Drew Watson, breaking it down. When we went to break, the question was kind of like this it was stated as we talked a lot about mental health and players. What is your advice, Dr. Watson, for coaches who need support themselves or coaches that believe that a parent or another coach may need support? How should this be handled? And just as important, are symptoms the same in adults and children? Yeah, I think this is, again, just such a, a really vitally important topic. There's so much attention around adolescence and mental health. But adults have been experiencing the really similar impacts in mental health, particularly during COVID, as, as our younger population has. I mean, just to put some numbers on it, pre-COVID, the prevalence of anxiety and depression in adults across the U.S. was about 7%. 
Since then, during COVID, there have been multiple studies suggesting that it's three to four times higher. So we're, we're in the neighborhood of more like 25, 30, 35 percent of adults that are now experiencing these sort of things. This is an unprecedented increase in these issues. And as much as I find a tremendous uh, value and love coaching, coaches are not exempt, right? We, we live within this society that is all kind of experiencing COVID. We all lost our opportunity to interact with players when things were shut down, just like players lost the opportunity to interact with us. There was a tremendous amount of stress around being a coach within new sports when we, there was a lot of uncertainty about how this was gonna play out. We really didn't know when or how or if we were gonna be able to return to fields and participate with players. And obviously there's tremendous kind of importance to us and, and, and a lot of enjoyment that comes out of being able to return to the field. But nonetheless, there's still a lot of us that are gonna to continue to struggle with things like anxiety and depression and mental health issues. I think the symptoms for adults and adolescents are really pretty similar. Adults may be a little quicker to recognize them and may be better to associate things like sleep loss and insomnia with issues around anxiety, but the stigma to come forward and talk about it is just as strong, maybe even stronger. And so a lot of the same barriers that exist for athletes exist for coaches when they may recognize they're experiencing these things, but not identify how or where to address them. So the messaging I think for coaches is exactly the same. If you're struggling with a mental health issue, seek help. Talk about it with family members, friends. If you're more comfortable, talk with your healthcare provider. The same resources that we point to around mental health in terms of anonymous ways to seek help through lifelines or even through online chats are available for adults just like they are in adolescents and children. And so recognizing that there are ways to get help is the best way to approach these things early and to reduce the risk that somebody's just sort of struggling with it silently until it really gets out of control. And then again, I think I would say that when we create a culture of normalization around mental health and conversations around mental health, that benefits everybody, not just the athletes, it benefits coaches. I've had conversations with athletes in clinic as well as on the field and the opportunity for me to say, look, I deal with anxiety sometimes makes it so much easier for them to talk about how, what they experience at times, even if it's not the same thing. Just knowing that I'm willing to bring it up makes it that much easier for them to have a conversation about it. And then the last thing I think I'd say is that being a coach in the, in the ECNL is a high performance environment. And like we were talking about, there are a lot of stresses that come from working and living within a high, a high performance environment. So the lessons about mental training that have been so successful in areas like law enforcement and the military and high level professional athletics, those are just as applicable to coaches as they are to athletes. The benefits of optimizing mental health for performance are analogous for those of us that are teaching the players to the athletes that are actually out on the field. So this is just simply one more way that I think we can try and introduce conversations and expectations around mental health that can ultimately help coaches perform, but also just generally help coaches be happier and safer and healthier people all around. Your last word and most important words coming up in a moment will be repeating the phone number and also perhaps giving a couple other websites. Before we get to that, 
I want to ask one more question because I find you fascinating. As I already mentioned, you're the chief medical advisor. You have these big roles with the University of Wisconsin and the pro soccer team. And at the end of the day, you're an accomplished doctor. But one of the things I've always liked about you is you said, you know what? I love being a coach. And you even mentioned, I love being an athlete. Knowing that, I just wanted you to spend a little time talking about in this role, knowing that you love being a coach and you love being an athlete, which means you care about athletes. As you think about this particular topic as the chief medical advisor for the ECNL, I've got to believe it would make you extremely proud if you can save lives and make people feel better about themselves. I am a sports medicine provider and I do what I do because I think that physical activity and organized sports are perhaps the most impactful intervention we have to improve lifelong human health. And I don't say that to try and be grandiose, but I think that it really is the path to so many physical and mental health benefits. COVID made this starkly clear. The opportunity to participate in sports is hugely beneficial for everyone that is involved in sports. With that said, there are always going to be athletes, there are always going to be coaches who, in spite of the benefits of these things, are going to struggle with mental health issues. And so the more loudly and clearly we can talk about the ways to help those individuals, the bigger impact I think that we can have you know, as an athletic community. I'm so happy that people are starting to talk about this more loudly and more publicly. And we owe a lot to the high profile athletes who have taken, you know, the uncomfortable step of coming forward and generating conversations around really difficult mental health issues, that they're willing to see that there is a big stigma around this and it could affect the way people think about me, but I'm going to help people by doing it anyway. We owe a tremendous Thank you to those individuals that have been willing to do this. I'm just trying to continue this conversation within the small areas that I live and work. And if that ends up helping people, then that's, I mean, exactly why I'm trying to do what I do. But I think that we all play a really big role on this by just, again, creating an environment in which these conversations are normal and not something that people have to feel scared or shy or intimidated about that we just make it part of who you are as an athlete, who you are as a parent, who you are as a coach, and that together we can perhaps undermine some of these barriers that have existed for so long for people to seek care for mental health issues. A genuine and sincere answer, which is what we always get from Dr. Drew Watson. So the last word does need to be, again, one about repetition so that they can log this number and maybe even some websites as well. So we'll close with this. If a player or a teammate or a coach or anybody within the ECNL or anywhere else for that matter needs support, tell us where they can call and maybe give us a few other websites that can support this podcast as we cover mental health here on the first edition in May of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Yeah, so first things first, there are a lot of places where people can get general information if they're interested in knowing more about this more broadly. There's kind of information from the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. Those will put within the show notes. Athletes specifically, there's a lot of information from the U.S. Olympic Committee, the NCAA, the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine has a position statement on mental health and athletes. Those I think are great resources just for learning more kind of broadly about what to look for in young athletes, the state of mental health in general. I think if you have yourself or a, or a teammate or 
someone that you interact with that you're worried about, get help through either a mental health professional or a healthcare provider. This can be your primary care physician, right? If you're, if it's your pediatrician, your family medicine physician, point, either get help from them for yourself or try and encourage the individual you're worried about to get help from them. If you are in a crisis, if you feel like you are in a life-threatening situation, go to an emergency room. If you're uncomfortable with that, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The number again is 1-800-273-TALK, 273-TALK. Please, please, please don't try and manage it yourself. You are absolutely not alone. And there are people out here that are ready to help. Hopefully we can come to you, but please don't feel like if that doesn't happen, you have to suffer alone. Get the help that you need. Dr. Drew Watson, thanks for kicking off our first show in May, talking about mental health. Always a pleasure. Thanks for all you do, period. Really appreciate having you on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Dean, I'm really flattered to have the opportunity to do these things. I'm, I've been flattered since the beginning to be involved in this position with the, within the ECNL. And the opportunity to talk about these things is just, I think, a great, great opportunity for me to continue these conversations. And I feel lucky to be able to do it. And I know the ECNL is lucky to have Dr. Drew Watson as its chief medical advisor. I want to thank all the great folks at the ECNL, including Christian Lavers, Jen Winnegal, Jason Cutney, Doug Bracken, Andrea Wheeler, Jacob Bourne, the entire gang, and of course, all of the coaches and players and administrators that help make ECNL such a great success. More thank yous go to Mary Conway, as well as our producer, Colin Thrash. Again, for each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.